0: Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. Your co-hosts, Jason Smith and Brian Bibbo, will inspire and teach you how to prosper in your mind, body, and spirit, not just your financial life. Joining forces with field experts, Jason and Brian are here to help you focus on what matters most in your life, living well.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Jason Smith, and I have a special guest, an old friend of mine that has been helping me out in the holistic health area and that's just helping me out really leading the way and uh kasha did i say it right kasha yes got it. Right. <laughs> awesome and so where where are you at right now kasha
2: right now i'm actually in germany because i used to live in ohio and yeah. now i live in germany
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right And we have in common, Kasha actually had a a set of twins as well. How old are the twins now, Kasha?
2: Three years old and three months.
1: Nice. A little bit
2: younger than yours, right?
1: It's hard to believe it's been that long. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievable. So Kasha, give a little bit of your background and then I want to kind of tell everybody how you and I got started uh, working together and kind of go work our way from the back, backward to the present. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I have a PhD in biochemistry, which I had have the great pleasure and honor to get from Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory in New York. I got to research the immune system and HIV proteins and how they interact together. That was really fun and yeah, great adventure for 13 years. And then I actually decided I did not want to have my own lab and I needed a change of career. So I was looking for what is my other passion than just finding out how things work. And I actually decided that my passion is really to bring the existing knowledge into practice. Because when one is in the lab, you are we're pushing the boundary of knowledge but we already have so many discoveries and so many research papers. So I was like, hey, how do we use this knowledge? You know, what can we do for right now for bettering our life? And that's kind of how I found functional medicine. I started with health coaching and then I found the fun- functional medicine. And that just for me was, you know, music to my ears because it was not only how things work, but it was really going deep into how it How the body works and what can we do to correct certain things when they are off especially in chronic conditions so yeah i've been doing functional medicine health coaching for 10 years now believe it or not
0: yeah
1: (laughs) that's great and and how long has it been kasha that you and i've been working together i was trying to think of it before we jumped on i was thinking maybe six years five six years
2: we are coming up on six years. I think we started in the summer of 2018. Okay. Yeah. And it was yeah. just, yeah, it went really fast from there. But yeah. We had a break for when I was on maternity leave. You were working with one of my coaches, right? Yeah. 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 But it's been a while.
1: And Kasha, just to give the listeners a little bit of background and, and I've talked about this in the past. so. But just to share my situation and what led me to start working with Gasha is I had, I had open heart surgery in, in 2018, in early 2018. And as I was recovering from it, I actually kept getting sick. I was getting pneumonia and the flu and bronchitis like every six weeks. It was, I just couldn't seem to beat it. My immune system was really down. And ultimately, I also wanted to, I couldn't really figure out cracking the code of my allergies. I had chronic sinusitis and allergies, and I knew I I needed needed some help. So you were referred over to me, Kasha, and we started working together. And the first thing I remembered you doing is a food sensitivity type of (laughs) test, like trying to Mm -hmm. identify... And then you also had me do something I would never done before, where I had to go number two in a box and send it away to get to test my microbiomes, I believe, and my gut health. And yes. uh, so talk a little bit about, about that, Kasha.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I remember that quite well when you first started. And what I also loved you, you actually wanted to have the whole family on board and you asked me to do like a sweep the pound trip. Pantry and let's go shopping day together. And that was really fun because yes, apart from looking at the whole, how the body works, you know, on the biochemical level, I'm very passionate in about putting all this stuff into practice and a lot of the science that we already have, it does translate into our everyday choices. So what, you know, when you came and you said that your immunity is impaired, then it, you know, after looking at all your answers to this super detailed questionnaire that's a typical entry point to any functional medicine practice, it was quite obvious that we have to have a look at what you're eating, right? And at your microbiome, because over two thirds of our immune system is housed around the gut. You know, this is a common knowledge. I think everybody talks about it on social media, so it's no revelation. And it totally makes sense, right? Because our GI tract is the outside meets the inside right? Because it's really, it's a, it's a tube that goes to the whole body and whatever we ingest, it has to be checked whether it is okay to, to come in. So that's why we have a lot of our immune system around the gut. And then what also is happening is that what we're eating, it is information. Now we, we typically think about it in terms of calories, right? Or whether or not it tastes good, but really food is information. It's like, putting software into your computer, right? So you can think of it like the body is the hardware and the food is software because it's talking to the immune system, it's talking to the microbes, it's, to, it's talking to every cell in the body. So when the, the immune system was not working quite right, I was like, okay, what is throwing the immune system off apart from the surgery trauma, right? Which is a big stress on the body and stress is known to, to create issues with, um, the immune response. So yeah, in functional medicine, we have all these awesome tools. We can actually, and then from that, what can we look at is like, what type of antibodies is your body creating towards common foods? And those are very specific types of immune responses. This is not like an allergy where one is testing, for example, IgE levels to certain foods. This is a different class of immunoglobulins. It's IgG4, and the test is made even more specific because this is IgG4 in complex with complement, which is when you, when you start looking at the whole immunology immunological cascade of responses, this is the very response that can create inflammation. So uh, when we did that test for you, I think there were a couple of things that were a bit surprising, but not so surprising, right? Like I think what lit up was gluten and dairy. And oh. then there were just a couple other minor things, but the gluten and dairy were were quite, quite big out there. And I remember you were very like, okay, let's do it. It's a huge change, right? I mean, so uh. many people are like, oh my gosh, how am I going to live without my bread or without without the cheese
1: oh I was I was the grilled cheese cane I feel like and that's gluten and dairy right and like milkshakes or right? oh yes luckily this day and age like you can get everything dairy free and gluten free which is awesome but back I mean six years ago it was more challenging than it is today but I remember making the one year commitment and it was hard you it was surprising how much stuff especially gluten dairy was a little bit more obvious and then Mm -hmm. i was able to have butter and it was something about casein right the the butter
2: yes yes so oftentimes when we think about dairy we you know we don't realize that actually milk it's it's an emulsion and that's it's a very fine mixture of various components so people can typically an issue either with lactose which is a sugar that's uh, present in the milk. And the issue with lactose is when we don't express an enzyme that helps us to degrade that sugar. And then the sugar goes into lower intestines and that's where it meets the microbiome. And then the microbiome can ferment the lactose and this can create gas and discomfort. So that's lactose intolerance. So this is not quite an immunological response to dairy, right? This is more of a okay, I am not digesting the sugar and my microbes are upset because I'm getting lactose. That's why you know people who are lactose intolerant, they can have dairy and you know that is, for example, without lactose, right? Like there's milk, lactate and stuff like that. So where the lactose is sort of pre-digested and it's not, no longer present and then it doesn't upset their stomach. The other issue with dairy, which is what we usually test on, the, on an immune response test, is whether or not the protein of the dairy, which is called casein, can create an immune response. And in your case, this was a protein that was creating an immune an immune response. And this is this oftentimes looks a bit different than lactose intolerance because when you when you think about it, sometimes it can create bloating or some digestive distress, but sometimes it creates, you know, stuffy nose, for example, or uh, ear infections or brain fog okay so the the food sensitivity symptoms they are very different they they are not limited just to the gi tract like the lactose intolerance so yeah so milk is an emulsion which is we have the sugar we have the lactose we have the proteins like casein we have also uh, a lot of fat right uh, and then once we start processing milk we can have um cream can have cheese so cream is mostly fats and some proteins cheese is quite a bit of um, milk protein and then butter is is primarily milk fat and then ghee is like clarified butter where all the proteins and uh, sugars have been removed and then you have like this pure milk fat and i find that many people who have dairy issues those immunological issues so dairy sensitivity and they don't tolerate for example the the casein protein like i am one of these people i can't have it but i can enjoy butter and i can have ghee no problem and then occasionally i can even allow some whipped cream (laughs) (laughs) so yeah because this whipped cream has or cream in general has the least amount and and butter they have the least amount of protein so then obviously the 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 amount of the antigen to which the body will have to respond is minimized
1: and it's in i don't know if i could have done it with, with in cutting out butter i'll tell you but just cutting out the gluten and dairy it was it was interesting because i'd never never done it before and i made the one year commitment and mm. it was pretty cool just observing what happened but the end of that year of uh, the un, unintended Consequence, which was a positive one, though, is I lost over thirty pounds, which I, it wasn't even my plan. I wasn't trying to yeah. lose weight. I was slightly overweight. I wasn't trying, no, to but lose... you were
2: fit. You know, you're a tall, you know, like a muscular guy, and you were you were fit. So it was not one of your goals. I, exactly. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I work.
1: I still work out a lot, but it leaned me up quite a bit. And then what I didn't realize, I, I, I had. You know, from time to time, a little bit of snoring, the snoring went away. I had from basketball injuries, like arthritis in my hand and in my right ankle and specifically my right ankle, every day I would wake up and I would limp for like the first five minutes until I kind of walked it off. That completely went away. The arthritis completely went away. It wasn't even what I was trying to do. Um... Yeah. So
2: you know why? I, I mean, let, let's just maybe pause there because I, there might be this might be interesting. So you know, when we eat foods, for example, let's say like you had this sensitivity to dairy, right? And the the protein of the milk is creating inflammation. This inflammation goes everywhere in the body, and this this limping, you know, with a with a uh, ankle that got injured. This is very typical, you know, like to have the pain where there was prior injury because there's still some scar tissue and the, you know, the immune system, sort of the inflammation goes there. This is like this colloquial thing. And it is, this is exactly what happens. So once you remove these foods that are bothering your immune system, then there is no trigger, right? And the body can relax. The immune system can relax. And then this pain, which is the very clear symptom of of inflammation also goes away
1: yeah yeah and it's it's interesting again like six years later but even so one year later i had the the benefits that i wasn't even anticipating and you i remember you had asked me to kind of try it make a one-year commitment and at the end of the year i'm like hold on a second i just lost 30 pounds i don't snore anymore and i'm not i lost my aches and pains like and i'm not getting sick like i used to but that i think that had to do with some of the stuff you helped me with the gut health, which I'm sure the gluten and dairy getting rid of that certainly (laughs) provided. But you know, at that point, it's like, okay, am I going to add this stuff back in? Heck no. And over the last handful of years, I've experimented, as you know, different times where I added it back in, like purposely, I added it back in for order. Well, I gained like 12 pounds and I felt droggy and foggy and my ears were blocked and it was like crazy what, what I experienced by adding dairy back in and similar things too, when I added gluten back in. And now, even if time to time, I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and have dairy tonight. Sure enough, the next morning, I mean, I feel the effects. And it's like, I think you just, you start, you live with the way things are. You're just so used to ingesting that food and feeling a certain way that it becomes the new normal. But then when you eliminate it for a year and then you add it back in and you notice the, the effects that it has on your GI system and the way you feel and the way you look and every other way. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, this is the most exciting thing that everyone can do is to be your own scientist, you know, and really try things out because the worst thing is like, oh, I can't do this. like, why can't you? If you think that this is only in your head, right? Because if you really have certain issues, really explore. This is the easiest thing one can do is to really start questioning what is what is normal for you, right? Because maybe it doesn't have to be that way. And especially with uh, like these chronic conditions when there's pain and the stiffness and like the lack of energy or the the, the weight that doesn't want to come off. This is really the, the primary things that are associated with inflammation that is very often linked to something that we do on a regular basis.
1: And some of the things you did too in conjunction with this, when you and I had, well, when you had me poop in a box <laughs> and it came back and my gut health wasn't, wasn't yeah. so hot. And it was things I've never even heard of or really been exposed to of like you had me drinking bone broth each day, taking some different supplements, introduced kombucha into the diet. A lot of the healthy kind of enzymes and sure enough, I mean, I don't get sick anymore like I used to. I mean, it's really was unbelievable the transformation that's happened. And the only time I seem to get sick is when I beat my body up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were just talking about this, like if I drink alcohol and, for example, I just, I had a, a trip to Nepal and Thailand and between the flights and the time change yeah. and I, I drink alcohol for a couple few days, which I am normally not doing at all anymore. It's uh, my immune system was suppressed and susceptible, and I got sick. And yeah, I was a lot of stress happened back in November when I went to Mexico. It was like mm-hmm. the exact same scenario. And it's like those are the only two times that I've gotten sick in the last six months. And sure enough, I could pinpoint it right to when I was kind of allowing my immune system. And I had some dairy and let up on the gluten. So it was like a shock to my system because I was, let, you know, what I mean, just kind of letting all these things happen.
2: Absolutely. You know, one thing that we should say, though, that sometimes it is possible to heal from the food sensitivities. OK, so. I do have people who were able to eliminate the food and then heal their guts. And then go back to a certain food. Okay. Sometimes it is not possible, or, you know, the reaction just goes a little bit lower. So I actually think that you are one of my healthier clients Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you probably would be able to tolerate, like, you know, some gluten and some dairy. Right. But then, like you're saying, there's, it's the amount of factors that come together. So, like the time change, the travel, the, you know, everything that's associated with that, you know, this, the, the emotional stress just of the travel itself, because it is a change. And change for the human body is always, you know, a bit stressful. Not all stress is negative. There's always, there's also very positive stress, but still, this can be factored in because even too much of positive stress, it can just be taxing. And if there is no enough rest, you know that is on the other side of the positive stress this can also result in the immune suppression so it's like how many things are piled on right and how much ma- how much stuff does the body need to deal with and then yeah okay how does this affect you right your immune system so so it's yeah. definitely uh, something to think about and this the stool test that you are talking about yeah it's a you know it's a cool tool yeah the, the whole microbiome research, you know, this, okay, now I've been 10 years in functional medicine. I think it was 15 years before that. So let's say we're looking at, okay, almost 25 years of the microbiome research. And we know so much. And then of course, like, you know, like with anything in science, the more, you know, the more it's like, whoa, there is more. And like, how does this really work? You know, I mean, we are discovering, I mean, there's microbes everywhere, you know, like, I remember like maybe a couple of years ago, I was reading a research study where they were talking about the microbiome in the bladder, right? And then you actually do the, you know, you do the urine test and usually the urine test, there is no bacteria. And if there is bacteria, right? It's like, oh, you have a UTI, but there is microbiome in the bladder. So then it's also like, huh? So how does this happen, right? That we don't have the bacteria in the pee or we only get the the pathogenic bacteria in the pee. So yeah, and then also there was all this, you know, notion that maybe like, yeah, when when women are pregnant, the you know, the fetus is also protected from the bacteria. No, there's bacteria everywhere. Okay. So they are definitely very tightly interconnected with how we function. And we we live in great symbiosis. So, you know, there's still testing I It's only scratching the surface because it's definitely not testing everything that there is, uh, you know, like all the microbes that we have, but it does aim at at least giving us a snapshot of the most important species. And if there's anything that's pathogenic that really needs to move out or needs some help with moving out. So yeah, you know, even though this test is not perfect and not comprehensive by any means, it is helpful. And oftentimes it is really a good gateway into improving the gut health and the microbial composition. And you know what
1: I, what I like, and it gives me a lot of confidence and is, we do the quarterly blood testing and I, I like, I like the aspect of staying proactive and ahead of things and Mm -hmm. watching trends and early indications. And we've been able to supplement some things where my Mm -hmm. counts were low and we were able to use more a holistic approach versus throwing medicine at it. And just to keep I I think I feel like too often blood work is used like reactively, like when something's wrong, versus the way we're utilizing it is a little bit more proactively to to stay healthy, which is which I really love. And it just gives me a lot of confidence that I'm healthy and you know what I mean? Nothing's gonna surprise me. Um, yeah
2: exactly. I love this too, you know, especially in America. It's so cool to have you know there's there's really a lot of access to do your own blood work at a relatively affordable cost, you know so you can really test a lot of things yourself without the help of a doctor, right and then there's lots of analysis tools and lots of really smart trained people that can help you look at how does your blood work look like is it optimal, right? Because it's not only oftentimes, you know, you go to the doctor's office, right? And they just take your blood and they say, like, oh, everything is great. Everything's within the reference range. But, you know, it's also, this is so, so cool. And nobody really thinks about it. I mean, an average person doesn't, doesn't think about it. Like, what is the reference range? You know, how do they do reference ranges? Usually, you know, they take, for example, 100 volunteers, okay, like at random, and they just draw their blood, you know, healthy volunteers. But we have a lot of unhealthy, seemingly healthy people. Right. So these reference ranges are shifting and some of them, you know, they are just too broad or too narrow and they're just not healthy, you know, and depending on the value, sometimes it's better to be either on the upper range reference range or the lower or sometimes right in the middle. So there is an art to to reading these uh, this blood work and really knowing which ones you want to be where you know a really good book for people if they want to dive into this it's the healthy deviant That's- by pilar Gerasimo. Yeah, yeah healthy deviant yes it's about okay. how you know really being healthy nowadays yeah. you're being you're not going to be a normal common thing you know you know common person because nowadays an average 65 year old you know they are on five prescription medications wow yeah and i know for sure that most of these things are fully preventable because they are created by lifestyle choices so by what we eat how we stress or de stress how much or how little do we move and then also the toxins in our environment you know how much there are and then also how well are we support- supporting our own detoxification function so those are the the big ones that if we hit, if we hit them, then you can stay healthy for a really long time.
1: You know, Kasha, as we land the plane, I was just about to ask you, and you almost kind of answered it in that question <laughs> or in that dialogue. What would your definition of holistic? This is the holistic wealth and health podcast. So, what would yes. your definition as a holistic health practitioner? What would your definition of holistic health be?
2: So first of all health is not the absence of disease because that's this is not enough you know true health is feeling really good strong and vibrant in your body and feeling like you have purpose and you you have the energy to really contribute your best self to whatever it is that is rocking your world this is my definition of the of the true true health and the big things that really play into this, you know, on the, on the practical level, like I said, it is good nutrition. It's uh, moving your body. So daily movement, you know, it doesn't have to be exercise and sweating on a treadmill. It's really like moving your body or at least finding a movement with your life. It is choosing the right thoughts because, you know, we consume also a lot of thoughts and a lot of materials, and this can create stress or or wellness, right? I'm sure you talk about the mindset on the podcast as well. And this is really just as important, if not more important than all the physical stuff, you know? So like the mindset is, is absolutely critical. Then yeah, healthy microbiome. You know, healthy gut, I think this does go with good nutrition and exercise and reducing toxins and yeah, you know, so reducing toxins, eating well, de-stressing because these, I mean, stress can really block the, the immune response. So that's another cornerstone of good health and yeah, reduction in toxicity, you know, and really improving our own detoxification systems. Those are really, really important. And the last one, you know, that is also tied into this, that's like, you know, if you go even further and this is like really big in the biohacking scene, it's like the the mitochondrial health, you know, mitochondria is the little factories of energy in our, in our cells. And they get hit really hard by all the oxidative stress that comes from bad diet, toxicity, stress, you know, all the, all the bad stuff. So yeah. it's kind of like, You know, as my mentor likes to say, all disease comes from crap food, stress, and toxins. So those three.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good good summary. That's a good simplification.
2: (laughs) So the Uh, health is the reverse of that plus the purpose, you know, really like the spinning of purpose because just being healthy without the purpose, you know, people often can't get fully healthy if they don't feel the purpose, you know, something to live for. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kasha. And if it's somebody wants to get a hold of you, what would be the best way to get a hold of you to do a consultation?
2: Yeah, I offer to all new clients 20 minute free consults. So feel free to go to Nourish app, you know, from nourishment, nourishapp.com, and there is a form to fill out. Um, anyone can do that. Uh, you can book a time with me to chat for 20 minutes about what's going on for you and then we can decide what's the next step is it really working with me or something else you know i really my goal is to support people the best i can um on their healing journey even if it means that it's not me who's going to be helping them
1: well you've been amazing for me and thank you so much for being with us today kasha and uh, we'll see you soon
0: yeah thank you jason yeah. been a pleasure yeah. bye Thank you for listening to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. We hope we inspired you to make changes so you can live your best life. If you want to find out more about what we do, or if you want to have a holistic wealth and health financial plan, please call 456-833-7000. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it widely with your friends and family. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in the state of Ohio. J.L. Smith Holistic Wealth Management and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice. Insurance and tax services offered through J.L. Smith Holistic Wealth Management are not affiliated with PCA. Information received from this podcast should not be viewed as individual investment advice. Product discussions and illustrations are hypothetical in nature and will vary based on many factors, including, but not limited to, age, health, product, insurance carrier, and product design. You should consult the Insurance Carrier website and policy for detailed information. For information pertaining to the registration status of PCA, please contact the firm or refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website, www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. For additional information about PCA, including fees and services, send for our disclosure statement as set forth on Form ADV from PCA using the contact information herein. Please read the disclosure statement carefully before you invest or send money.